Welcome everybody to the Integrate Yourself podcast. You're listening to episode 37. We're your host, Allison Polo and Maya Gottlieb. You can find me, Allison, at pureenergypdx.com and you can find Maya at mayagottlieb.com. Maya and I are both certified nutrition and fitness coaches and together we share over 20 years experience in the field, coaching clients and doing our own research on leading edge nutrition and fitness in regard to hormonal balance and aging. This show is all about sharing with you creative ways you can integrate all aspects of health into your life. Today we're speaking with Zachariah Salazar. He is a Z Health master trainer. He also shared his story about how he went through his own self-education in the process of that and how he essentially uh, learned many things from people he was inspired by and, and practices that he, were, he was inspired by without spending a lot of money. Uh, but I think when he did spend a lot of money, it was actually for something he really, really wanted to do. And, and that was only, he only came to that conclusion because he was able to explore uh, other things first. So it was really interesting how he how he describes his journey and that was really really a fun conversation as well as um, he shares a lot about his coaching strategies how he uses neuroscience to help people get out of pain but also explore new movement and have fun with movement and actually reach a higher level of performance and and um, discovery through that so that that was really super cool as well but I really love the message that Zachary brought to us today and uh, some of the things, some of my big takeaways were how people disassociate from injury and pain, how painful is purposeful, how you're a walking collection of your experiences, how people who identify, uh, how to help people who identify with their diagnosis, um, and also encountering a solution. When you encounter a solution to people's problems, how do you handle that? Um, even though it may be simple, we don't want to dismiss their experience of the pain and how celebrating your failures brings you closer to success and what you can learn from that. Those were all my takeaways and we talked about so much more. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as mine I did. Hey guys, we'd love it if you support our podcast by subscribing and leaving us a great review on iTunes and Stitcher. We appreciate it so much as that's a way that we can actually get out to more people who definitely could use and benefit from this information, as well as if you're benefiting from this information, feel free to share it with your friends. We'd appreciate it so much. So without further ado, here's the show. The whole point of, um, the whole point of meander is really my passion. The idea that, you know, I taught martial arts for years, I taught music for years, I was a tutor, and the idea that people, you know, if someone came to me and they said, hey, you know, I want to learn martial arts, and I said, well, you know, it might take you, you know, four or five years to become a black belt, they're like, oh, okay, that, that's fine, or if I'm teaching music and someone said, well, I want to play like, you know, guitar player X, and I'd be like, well, you know, if you were to spend, you know, four or five years doing that, it might take that long to, you know, accomplish that task, and they were like, oh, okay. But everyone has been told the idea of fitness. They're like, well, you can be healthy in you know, 30 days. You can change a habit in 21 days. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not true. Well, 
Welcome, guys, to the Integrate Yourself podcast with Allison Pillow and Maya Gottlieb. We have an especially great guest today. I consider him great. He has been, uh, his greatness comes from his uh, willingness to share information with anyone and everyone who is interested in health, fitness, uh, nutrition, life, anything that kind of will help them be a better them better themselves private facebook group is called meandering to greatness he has um i don't know quite a few people that help him but he also helps uh kind of uh individualize each person's issues so they can come in with a question and you know have multiple smart people or even just someone's uh, opinion of what worked for them. So it's a great community that has helped a lot of people, especially with like Ray Pete's work. He's a Z Health master trainer, which he is basically um, taught probably everything that there's to be taught in that in that uh, school of, uh, of of information. Which Z Health is a complete training system that puts your back in control of your own performance. So it's a really like treating everyone kind of like an athlete and helping their nervous system work a little bit more accurately. Many of the things that I've learned slowly through this Z Health is that anyone and everyone gets to know a little bit more about their awareness of their body. So I'd like to introduce Zachariah Salzar. Um, Welcome Zachariah. Um, How are you today? And, uh, What's been going on? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for asking. How are you guys doing? Good. Great. Yeah, thanks. So one of the, my first questions is, how um, how did you get into Z Health? How did you want to become a master trainer? And what is it that you have really developed through all the years that you have been doing Z Health? Well, um, I was never an athlete. I wasn't very good at anything. I didn't move well. I later found out I had a lot of visual and vestibular problems that were never addressed. Um, so growing up, I didn't have a good time with athletics. I didn't enjoy sports. I was definitely the kid that was – I wasn't even picked last. I was just never picked. <laughs> um, but I still craved you know, the ability to, to do things. So I ended up getting into martial arts, which was fortunate because – uh, their system is very graded. It's broken down in a way where you can basically, you know, accomplish what you can accomplish and move forward to your own space. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of things in place to allow adjustments for individuals of various abilities. So that kind of progression worked really well for me. Um, what really got my interest in pursuing health and initially uh, heavily relying upon manual therapy was I had a shoulder injury uh, while working a, a physical job as a teenager. And uh, the person I was working for was concerned about my performance, but I was a poor kid and didn't have insurance. And they were like, well, cool. I mean, you know, you just say you got hurt at work and then we can cover that for you. And I'm like, wow, that's great because I never really would have investigated anything. Well, I turned out stumbling across someone that was basically a retired uh, chiropractor and PT. And what he was doing is offering these uh, really inexpensive uh, sessions where if you just showed up and you could just walk in. So he's a guy that was in his 80s, and two or three days a week, he would just do these uh, brief sessions for $10. I'm like, awesome. Wow. I'm going to go have, check this guy out. So what I basically did is I went in and explained my situation to him, and he was this really comical, interesting old codger. And he just told me, told me to lie down, and uh, he told me he was going to press you know, on an area inside my armpit, and he was going to use that and see if he could relieve some pain. And um, 
I went, all right. And I asked him if it was going to hurt. And he said, well, don't be silly. Of course it's going to hurt. <laughs> and he was right. And he took his thumb and he pressed it deep into my armpit against a bundle of nerves there. And he did that for about 90 seconds. And uh, once he got done, I didn't have any pain in my shoulder. And I was able to move my arm freely. And I'm like, well, what the heck is that? That was pretty exciting. So I was very mm -hmm. interested in the idea of someone being able to touch you and alleviate pain. Mm. And uh, I grew up in a, in, uh, a very uh, religious and spiritual household, both of those spread among many different people. And I, but I didn't have very much of uh, a positive opinion on anything that anyone would look at something that was very woo-woo or very mystic. So I was always trying to look for reasons why things occurred. And I was also trying to look for justifications for why something was given an explanation that didn't really seem to make sense scientifically, mm -hmm. but believe them and go, I'm going to believe that something did occur, but I'm just, I'm going to try and try and figure out what actually happened as best we can understand it. Because then if I have that kind of information, uh, maybe I could use it and apply it. Wow. Yeah. So it's very, kind of, that good. was kind of an interesting start for me. Well, that would it shock the heck out of anybody to have someone just take away your pain right away. And some of the things that um, I've noticed with Z Health um, has that same ability. <clears throat> there is some puzzle figuring out. So if you can kind of, you know, be patient and kind of work with it, that's kind of cool. So this old geezer that you kind of worked <laughs> with, or. <laughs> Um, I, I take it he uh, kind of continued working with you, and then uh, what? What? How did you meet Dr. Cobb, or what? What kind of got you into that? Well, it's a really long, dull story, so I'll give you just a couple of parts that I thought was were important. Um, like I said, I grew up a poor kid, so I spent a lot of time in the library, and um, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, because because I've been around a long time, so you know, being in the library also meant sometimes you had to go. Uh, go and look up things on microfiche. So that's right. an age. Oh, yeah. Remember we remember that. that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so there was a lot of self-study involved. And what I, <clears throat> another thing I kind of stumbled into is because um, studying in martial arts and not having a lot of money, I ended up getting into situations where I found people where I could do other things to pay for my schooling. So sometimes it was just like sweeping up the place or cleaning the bathroom or doing whatever. And being that I was, you know, that apple polisher kind of person, I would be the kid that would show up and do like every class they had. Mm. So if there were, you know, five classes that were early classes and five classes that were later classes, then I would get to do 10 classes a week plus yeah. Saturday classes. So I was there a lot, a long time and acquiring, you know, injuries or strains or, or trying to look at different ways of training to improve myself. Cause as I said, I wasn't very athletic. Um, I ended up in circumstances with people asking me questions and what I had found is occasionally I had answers for those questions and occasionally those answers were correct. Mm -hmm. So it became very uh, interesting and empowering that other people that were, um, you know, adults and well-educated uh, wanted to talk to me who was just a, a know nothing jackass from the middle of nowhere. And the information that I had actually helped people sometimes and looking back probably for none of the reasons I thought that it was helping them. Mm. But that was very motivating. And then in the course of, you know, my little adventures, I stumbled into interesting people, uh, massage therapists and other martial artists and a martial artists that had some sort of uh, healing education or background, uh, nurses, chiropractors, uh, numerous people that along the way uh, helped me out. They, I had people that had 
uh, would give me textbooks they no longer used. Um, I met a gentleman who served in the Vietnam War as a medic, and he became a paramedic. Uh, and he had begun his uh, journey studying sports medicine. Mm -hmm. He wanted to help people, but he realized he could no longer deal with the trauma yeah. aspect. Uh, it was too difficult for him. Uh, looking back, he definitely had some post-traumatic stress disorder that was going untreated. But he was a very caring, generous guy, and he was one of those very interested, uh, kind of boisterous, nerdy, scientific people. So I was, you know, I I saw I met him through a girlfriend at the time, and we were hanging out at this party, and we started talking about stuff. And he's like, "Oh, come here, check out my room," and he had all of these crazy textbooks covering all these different subjects. And he said that you know he was going to end up you know moving somewhere else, and he had acquired different plans. So he asked me if he wanted if I wanted all of the coursework he had. Oh, wow. So he gave me dozens of textbooks that he had been using in school. Okay. So that was kind of a start of me looking into what the sports, sports medicine and physical therapy was and all of those things. And then that inspired me, inspired me later on to look a little further into those things. And as I said, being a, uh, you know, being a poor kid, I didn't really have any opportunities for schooling right away. But I found out there's a thing called the Internet. <laughs> you could go online. And you could actually find out what textbooks were required for classes that students were paying for. Smart. So that, Smart. Like, then yeah. I would go to youth bookstores and I would find those books. And I also would hang out at uh, college libraries quite a bit mm. and, and bump into people. And then I was fortunate enough to meet some good people in, uh, in hands-on therapies, massage therapy, and uh, a couple of chiropractors that helped a lot. And I ended up spending a lot of time hanging out with them, you know, working with them, going to weekend seminars, talking to people, just been, been really basically hanging around and, uh, you know, glomming on to stuff and having interesting conversations with people. Oh, that's cool. So um, is that called an autodidact when you can start teaching yourself anything kind of to yeah, a point? I was told I was an autodidact early on, and I thought I was a kind of dinosaur, so I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, Never heard yeah, that I term, autodidact, I think autodidact is a word I learned watching The Simpsons. So, uh, yeah, right? A lot of my education comes from cartoons. So. That's a smart uh, show, though. I mean, you, the writers are incredibly smart, so yeah, there's, there's no, uh, no there's limit of what you can learn. <laughs> yeah, speaking speaking of smart, I think that's a really smart and creative way to go about your education. Many people don't think of it like that. They're like, "Well, if I can't, you know, enroll in the in college curriculum, then I'm just not going to do it," you know, instead of just thinking, "Well, you know, the degree honestly doesn't mean a lot, whole lot. It's just it's really how you integrate what you learn." So, um from that, uh, I guess that's kind of a, a little bit of a segue into like bringing you into where you are now. And what led you to Z Health, as well as the theory that we talked about in the beginning, um, you know, about the fitness industry and the nutrition industry, which I feel a lot, uh, a lot, very much the same with you on that is, you know, that people think that nutrition and fitness should happen instantaneously, as opposed to other practices and, um, and uh, disciplines that we go through that we know take years of study and practice, but for some reason our industry, um, you know, teaches people that it should happen within a month. So I don't know how you want to 
touch upon that. I, I guess I, I'd like to know also how you got into Z Health um, and what inspired you to, do, to go that route. Because Z Health is not really something that a lot of people know about, right? And it's it's a pretty cool program. So I was uh, I was enrolled in a program that I had uh, looked into for a while, and I had I talked to a couple of practitioners about. And it was a very expensive, complex program with lots of self-study and lots of textbooks to read. And all of that was very impressive to me because that was what I liked to learn. And, and making up for my lack of real education, I found that I could um, uh, confuse people into thinking that I had some ability and authority if I used a lot of big words. So any opportunity to organize what I was trying to do towards a, a goal, I thought was a good idea. So I was in this program. And like I said, you know, um, I've been accused of being a teacher's pet and an apple polisher, and I'm fine with that. So I went around looking for people that had already finished the program that I was in and trying to find them and talk to them and go, okay, every time I've been in the learning scenario and someone says study X, really what they mean is maybe 5% or 20% of this is the important part, and the rest of it's just kind of background and it's nice to have visited but might not be terribly important. So what I was trying to do is optimize my time because I was working uh, with fitness people and martial arts and teaching music. And I mean, there was a span there for several years where pretty much my only day off was Christmas. And I'm not complaining. I just had this peculiar way of turning all of my hobbies into professions. So mm-hmm. I'm grateful for it. It just yeah. makes for a very busy schedule. <clears throat> so I contacted the, one of these people and um, asked him about the program that he was in and what he had thought of it and what the areas of, of my focus should be. So when I showed up, I could definitely get the most uh, for my time. And he said, yeah, yeah, that program's really great, but um, you should check out the Z-Hill stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, Z-Hill Performance, uh, I have their, their R phase, their beginning uh, book and DV course, and I think that's pretty cool because at the time, there was that's all there was. There yeah. was just one you know there's like a couple of dozen people in it and you know it's like probably what 12 13 years ago and and it was just kind of very beginning dr cobb i later found out had just reorganized the data he was trying to teach into more of a condensed classroom uh setting to where you had all the ability to do a lot of self-practice and a lot of study and then going to the courses would be this sort of uh, practical hands-on explanation approach so I already had that material and I've been practicing. I go, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Um, but what I'm really interested in is knowing about this other program. And he goes, yeah, that's great. So, you know, just go to this. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sink in in the first time, right? <laughs> when someone tells you to go do something. No, no. Okay, thanks. No, no. No, really, go. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And he's like, uh, like how, uh, he's like, how long have you been in, you know, fitness and health and all that? I go, well, you know, most of my life. He goes, all right, check this out. So uh, Dr. Cobb at Z-Health uh, has this thing where if you show up to his course, you can take the entire course. And if uh, you don't think it works and you think it sucks, you can get all your money back. Whoa. What happened to that money back? Yeah, what happened to that money back guarantee? And I went, really? Yeah, we did. Yeah, he laid out this whole setup to where it was like, you know, come check out our first course. Go for the whole six days. You know, use it, apply it. If it doesn't make sense, if you don't think it works, then we'll just give you your money back, all of it. Wow. At the time, I went, well, that's a pretty ridiculous thing because <laughs> no one does school or anything. Uh, but then I ended up looking on the website, and I went, huh, Z-Hall is all about 
joint mobility, moving joints, joint circles, moving stuff. And I look at this program and it's like this, you know, it's like this six day long, you know, program and I'm going, well, how could there be that much stuff? So I was curious about that. Right. So call, you know, then I called them directly and, you know, actually got a live human being immediately on the phone. And I spoke to Kathy Mock for a while. And then I spoke, spoke to Dr. Cobb for a while. And I ended up speaking to them for about 90 minutes the first time. Um, and that was impressive to me too, because they actually wanted to answer, answer my questions, but also ask me a ton of questions and try and figure out what it really was I was trying to accomplish. Not just, well, Hey, it's really cool. You want to come to our course, but I mean, why, what are you trying to get out of it? Yeah. You know, that kind of a thing. And then I went to my first course because I was fortunate to have a friend who was living near one of the courses. So I could basically have a cheap place to stay, have access to a car, you know, all the things that would make it more viable to go. And uh, so I went to my first course and I had this stack of information with the clipboard and about a six inch deep pile of stuff from other courses I'd taken, all this other research that I read. And about an hour into this course, I, I asked him, I asked Dr. Cobb, I said, uh, so does it have anything to do with like gate control theory, like Wall and Nelzak, 1965? And he looks at me and he pauses for a second. And he goes, yes, yes, it does. Went, That's sweet. And I picked up my, my little pile of papers and I walked over to the trash can and they threw them away and I sat back down. <laughs> I, I knew I was in the right place. Well, because I took some classes when I was in school, I studied psychology and philosophy. And in the psychology sections and sense and perception, there was all this cool neurological stuff about nerve endings and about the gate control theory of pain and all this different stuff. And I went, wow, this is really exciting. And then nothing. It was like that was the stuff <laughs> yeah, they taught you stopped. To, <laughs> to get your attention. Yeah. So there's some interesting <laughs> tidbits to keep your attention. Moving on. Here's what we'll be on the <laughs> like, wait. Like, wait. So, and all I can really find out that seemed super pertinent was that um, uh, Patrick Wall of Wall and Melzac was the guy that invented the TENS unit. Oh. And I went, oh, that's cool. So that's like a real thing that actually does stuff. And I played with those and used them in, in you know, a clinical setting with people. And so I knew that there was definitely some you know, meritorious information, but it just seemed like there was this huge gap between people doing stuff with movement and exercise and people sitting still dealing with their pain. Mm. So then yeah. I just completely, you know, just decimated Doc's attention span with all these questions and all this information. And by the end of the course, I had seen enough things and, and had enough questions answered. And, and most importantly, there at the course, there were some questions I asked. And uh, Eric Cobb, uh, you know, the guy that made up Z Health, he, he answered some of the questions in a way to me that was most important. And some of the answers were he just flat out said, he goes, I don't know. Yeah. And well, that's a good for, teacher then. Yeah. And other <laughs> yeah. He said, he goes, I don't think we can know. Oh. He's probably, like, he's right. Mean? I think. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, I'm perfectly comfortable saying that on some of these things that, that I don't think we can know that why we're doing certain things could completely be wrong and they still work. And he was most concerned with efficacy. So later on why I taught courses, I would do something like, you know, pull someone out of the audience that had a pain or an issue. I would explain what I thought was going on. I would explain, you know, the pathway neurologically that we would be doing something and how it works. And then we would do the drill and it worked and everyone was happy. And then I would say, and everything I said could totally be just crap. Just, just, I love it. Just, <laughs> that worked. 
and what I do work doesn't mean that's actually true. Right. Mm. So one of the things in teaching courses and one of the things when when I would work with other trainers because so many of them, especially because they're so busy, a lot of people, their professions are just so late in, in work hours that their research time is limited. One of the things I was trying to always get through to practitioners was is worry about the client or the patient first. Worry about the stuff that makes them better because you can always try and look it up later. Because yeah. I would do things on people all the time, and they were like, "Well, what were you thinking when you did that?" And I'm like, "It wasn't." Just trying. <laughs> you were just I, I letting to, whatever like, came in come in, and then just try it. See if that works. <laughs> yeah, I like because at least I can't tell you. I cannot tell you how many times I've been wrong. Uh, wrong in when I was doing tutor stuff, wrong in martial arts, wrong in, in teaching something, wrong in doing an assessment or an exercise or, or picking something, but that gave clues to other situations. So at Z-Health, it's cool because you know, you're always going to have those people, like in almost any system, where you do something and someone's going to magical effect. You just happen to, either through brilliance or organization or luck, stumble into the move or maneuver or thing the person needed and all of a sudden hours two years of pain or restrictions in motion go away in seconds right and it's like oh that's magic that's just like like so cool and mm -hmm. but i always have to like tell people i go but that's that's not the point no that's that's like the frosting that's the free stuff right when i taught music i would have these kids and they'd be like well, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to figure out how to play something. And I'm, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm waiting for inspiration to hit. I go, no, that's the free stuff. Like, what do you mean? I go, if you're sitting around playing your instrument, waiting for music to happen, you've, uh, you've been misinformed. If you were a cabinet maker and you were waiting around for a cabinet brilliance to make batches of cabinets for your clientele, you would start to death. Yeah. And then I would talk about some musician that my guitar or bass students or whatever wouldn't know, someone, a musician like Steve Allen, a piano player. I said, he wrote over 4,000 songs. I wow. said, that's about a, a craft versus trying to function through just inspiration. Yeah. Right. Said, As a musician, you should be able to start cranking out tunes. And if you can't, there's something you're missing in your understanding of the process. And when you're sitting there and you have that moment of inspiration, that's the free stuff. So I try and explain to class the definition of intuition that I like to use is that you come to a conclusion without fully being aware of the process. Whatever you've been previously informed by, at some point, you're not fully aware of everything that's going on to come to the conclusion. So when I tell people I wasn't really thinking, I was just doing to get a result. So in Z-Health, you'll have people say like, well, I tried these drills and it didn't work. And then I'd be at class, and I remember doing the one, was one of the first time, I think we were in California teaching this huge class, and uh, Dr. Cobb was there, he was sitting in the back of the class taking a break, and I was teaching the section. I went, okay, how many of you guys have done a Z-drill and it didn't work? And of course, like almost everybody in the class raises their hand, including Dr. Cobb. And I said, <laughs> I said you're all wrong. They go, what? I go, you're all wrong. All the drills work. Well, like, what do you mean? I said, think of it this way. If you go to the doctor and he does the patella tendon tap, if he taps a little hammer on your knee, your knee jumps or it doesn't. Either way, right. the tap worked. If I give you a drill and you don't get the result you expected, oh. the drill worked. It just told you that drill or the way you performed it wasn't important to their nervous system. Right. All drills always work. 
Yeah, I love, that's a great way to put it. That's great. And I think that's yeah. something that frees people up because I was I was giving an example because someone was talking about how they're having difficulty choosing things. And I'm like, just choose things. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you're going to do in the system that's going to hurt anybody. So just start doing stuff. And I talk about uh, the situation where I worked with a trainer. And this gentleman has been doing health and fitness, seriously, no exaggeration, almost longer than my mom has been alive. Uh, it's a huge background. He's one of those guys when you go into classes that like this dude never gets help from anybody because uh-huh. he's like, on it and he's smart and he knows what's going on. And he's one of those guys that shows up to a new system and he's the head of the class uh-huh. and he's been hands on work with people and doing martial arts and all this stuff. I mean, seriously, longer than my mom has been alive. And he right. came one day and he was like, yeah, I have this problem. You know, can I get a session with you? And in my head, I'm like, oh, me, really? What? <laughs> First of all, I was like excited and I felt like cool, like, wow, this dude wants my help and he's so awesome and he's so smart and he's one of those guys in classes that always has interesting explanations to answers and then immediately became terrified. What if I do it wrong? I just I look like such a dope and I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I went to work with this guy and he's having a problem, but he thought, he goes, I don't think you know, my glutes on the right side are firing because I'm really having a hard time squatting. And like I said, this this dude's a pretty old guy and he's been active in athletics forever and he was always a solid mover and could always do stuff in class. And I remember muscle testing before and going, this guy's like strong as a bull. Right. He's got that wiry, you know, like, you know, carpenter guy, person who works with uh, their hands kind of strength, right? And um, and sure enough, he goes to do a squat, can it all, his gait is all goofy looking and I'm like, hmm, this is peculiar. So then I try and, you know, muscle test him and go, yeah, sure enough, that muscle's, you know, weak. And I go, it's going to be awesome because I know how this works and I'm going to move the appropriate joint and then his muscle's going to work and I'm going to look great and we're all going to be happy and sing praises. <laughs> so of course, You're just setting perfect. up for failure right yeah, so I, <laughs> And it doesn't work. Yeah. And I'm like, huh, that's peculiar. And I do some other stuff and it doesn't work. And then I basically, you know, looking at Z has one of these theories where basically it talks about sometimes if a joint is jammed or stuck, that lack of information can impede motion. So I basically hold this joint open that I think is the one that's having the problem. And then the muscle works. Then the muscle gets stronger. I'm like, well, that's weird. So then I think about, okay, what's the joint on the opposite side of that joint? Maybe there's something that's preventing it from being held open. And that muscle tests weak too. And then one of my friends walks in and he comes from a system and he has this huge background in orthopedic testing and muscle testing. I'm like, hey, come here. Can you come over here and, and, and test this guy and do orthopedic tests while I do stuff so this gets faster? So we start testing stuff and we go like from his big toe, ankle, knee, hip, pelvis, spine, a visceral test. And we do all this stuff and Dr. Cobb you know, kind of wanders by and goes, what are you guys doing? <laughs> cool. Let me know how that goes. So we end up going through the, his entire body and we come down to the joint on his left hand where it's basically uh, the metacarpal joins the, the carpal. So the long bone of the hand where it joins the wrist and it feels kind of sticky. So I feel the rest of the joints in his hand and I feel his other hand to compare. And I go, yeah, that feels like sticky and weird. And I'm like, okay, in Z-Health we have these weird little you know wrist figure, figure eight patterns that are supposed to mobilize that joint. And I'm like, do you do that drill? He goes, yeah. And I believe him because I've seen him practice. He's very diligent. He's a, he's a martial arts guy and he treats mobility and strength and all his work like an art. And I'm like, well, maybe you're just not doing it well enough 
that it's working. So I had him hold the joint drill in the position that would open that jam joint on his hand. And then the, the, the gentleman muscle tested him and boom, it got really strong. I'm like, cool, do a couple of these drills and really emphasize moving that joint. And then the muscle was strong and he didn't have to hold it open. And he jumped up and he squatted and he took a walk and everything was pain free. And then we all like laughed like we were so smart and high fived. <laughs> and I said, now tell me, what what have you been doing? Because we tried to figure it out because I always make the joke, you know, the mysteries in the history. Mm-hmm, right. I go, have you been doing anything different with your hands, with your wrist? Have you fallen? Is anything? And he goes, so I started doing a lot of makiwara practice. And in traditional oh. martial arts, they do this thing where you take like basically a four by four, wrap it in some leather, and you punch it. Nice. <laughs> I go, that might be it. <laughs> I'm going to make the it. Being fully aware that it could be something else, but I'm going to say Occam's razor, probably punching stuff is why you jammed up your hand. Yeah. Wow. But the whole idea, and Doc was like, usually tell that story because we kept track and we did about, we did 60 tests in that hour. Wow. And the point was, and I always try and tell this to the people coming in, regardless of their profession, is you look at stuff, I don't care what it is, and I don't even care what you think it is. All I care is remember all of the protocols you have. And not just from Z-Health, from any system, from any bit of information, from something you saw somebody do on a field someday, so that you can just throw a bunch of information at their brain and their nervous system and get them to tell you a little bit of the story so you know where to go. Then afterwards, you can crack open a textbook, and we can all use big words and all sound terribly smart, like we actually know what was going on, when really... You can't know. That's so true. Yeah, you, you, I do notice when talking to clients and, and you kind of get a partial history mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're in mid of the of the session and, oh, by the way, but that was so many years ago. I don't think that even affected right. me. Or, you know, I forgot to tell you that I had that surgery. Oh, yeah, that was a pretty bad or that was, you know, the trauma that I had when I was a kid. You know, things just start popping through. And it's funny because uh, no association is really there for most people. They really find that, you know, they can separate certain things. Like this is happening to me now. There's no real reason to remember that these other things could be affected you too. So, um I love the story because it definitely uh, resonates a lot with uh, myself and some other people who, you know, work with one-on-ones. Well, there's a, I worked with this gentleman who was a a UFC champion and I was trying to get across him the idea of, you know, you know, you have the same body you've had your whole life and it's a walking collection of your experiences. So I'm working on him and he has some back pain and this guy's crazy athletic. I mean, he has muscles that I, I don't even own, I think. We don't even look like the same species when we're standing next to each other. <laughs> and he was talking, I keep talking about him like, so surgery, injuries, anything that's happened to you ever since birth. It's like, man, we just let you nothing. I go, you never hurt your abs or or you know, this and you never had a problem with you never had like a hernia surgery? He goes, Oh yeah, yeah. I had a hernia surgery. And I said, What part of <laughs> Since birth, does not understand. He goes, oh, well, this happened when I was one. Oh, wow. And I look at him and go, okay, yeah, so that would be since birth. And I start messing with the hernia scar, and lo and behold, he feels some pain in his low back. 
So after 90 minutes of investigation and going through all this paperwork and going through all the data he brought me from a motorcycle accident he'd had and previous bone breaks and all this, you know, 10 minutes of messing with this guy's, uh, you know, hernia scar and boom, the pain was gone. And his trainer that was holding pads for him while he was, you know, doing these kicks was amazed that suddenly how powerful he was. And the trainer's biggest complaint was, we're three weeks out from a fight and now I have to change how he's training. <laughs> I've been avoiding all these tools and now he can do them again. Oh, wow. So they all got mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a whole harder. collection of stories of working with professional athletes where I did something I thought was good. I was doing the thing they told me to yeah. and people got mad at me for it. No good deed goes unpunished. Remember. So I try and stay away from people <laughs> that are in organizations. I try and stay away from professional athletes now because invariably when I help someone, I have upset someone else or wrecked someone else's plan. Mm. So now yeah. I try to work more with just nice, natural, everyday, free-range humans because it's a lot more exciting for me to do that than help some professional athlete who actually they themselves are really excited but then have some member of their team – you know, lambast me because I did something that was wrong or didn't make sense, or now I've screwed up their whole program. But yeah. is, is this because you've changed their performance level? Or I don't understand why. I mean, I kind of understand where you're coming from, but I wanted to get a little bit more uh, of an understanding of specifically the experience you've had with that. Well, well, maybe maybe you can explain it to me because yeah. that's what I thought. I thought making people better was the job. So yeah. I would have an athlete referred to me by someone that worked with them or had ran into them and said, oh, I know someone that dealt with a problem like this in situation X. Maybe you should talk to them. And this goes all the way up to like working with some MVPs in national sports. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, too, you work with a lot of people. The first thing they say is, well, I'm contractually obligated to work with this person or this system or whatever. So, I mean, it's cool that we're working together, but you can't really say that you're working with me. Oh. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't care. Just let's let's just do this, right. and then we'll high five afterwards because it will be awesome and fun, and I'll feel feel smart. And let me take some pictures on my phone so I at least feel like I can tell my friends that I did right. something cool for someone famous. <laughs> I don't follow. So take sport. some credit for it, right? <laughs> so I don't know who any of these people are, and that actually ended up being something funny. Why a lot of them liked it because they walked in the room, and I'm like, uh, cool. Uh, who are you, and what do you do? And a lot of these guys are like they're so they're so used to like this crazy fan base of people like stalking them and wanting to sign stuff, uh, and, and strangers knowing like the foods that they eat or where they went to grade school. Right. And I know nothing about these people. They're kind of like, well, this is kind of fun because you actually don't know who I am. And I go, and also I don't care. So just tell me what's wrong <laughs> and that we can fix it because I don't doesn't matter. Like all I care about is like you know what you think your problem is. And we can compare that to what they said your problem is because maybe there's a disconnect or there's something that they're not hearing. Hey, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market offers the best-selling natural and organic products at wholesale prices because they cut out the middleman. Through a membership of only $60 a year, uh, you can become a member as well as for every paid membership, Thrive donates one membership to a low-income American family, which is so amazing. And that's one of the reasons I have been a member myself of Thrive Market for two years now. 
definitely check it out. If you want to check it out, go to the affiliate link at pureenergypdx.com and click on the banner, the Thrive Market banner on my website, and it'll take you straight to Thrive Market where you can take advantage of 25% off your first order plus free shipping. And you have a 30-day free uh, trial, so you're not obligated to anything. So thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you so much. And back to the show. Not hearing. Right. You know? So a typical problem was I had this guy come to me, and um, he said – he said that he was told he had a problem with his, his rotator cuff. And I'm like, well, that's kind of a cop-out thing. That's stuff that we've all been taught to say because it's this peculiar, vague thing that you know allows you to buy you some time to uh, gather some data and get your resources together and try and you know affect change. I go, but shoulders are like really, really complex. And he's like, yeah, well, and he's always also told that he thinks I might have a shoulder tear. And I go, did you know statistically every male over 50, 100% has a tear in their rotator cuff? Mm, really? He looked at me. I, I go, yeah. I go, and the majority of them are asymptomatic. I go, so oh. instead of bone poking out of you and there's blood spraying everywhere, I go, I don't really care. That's interesting, but don't be convinced that something like that is damning. Because mm-hmm. I have worked with a ton of people that bring me films of stuff and x-rays and MRIs. And they go, look, I actually have this problem. And then we do stuff and it gets better. And I went, and they're like, but I have this problem. And I'm like, yes, well, yeah. yes. and you have this problem. But I've seen just as many people that, you know, uh, x-rays of low backs, MRIs, and they have nothing at all on film. And these people are in just completely debilitating pain. And it's like, you know, yeah. one thing doesn't match the other. And there's this model of this mechanistic model, like that we're machines, like we're toasters. And that this always equals that. And it's just not true. Not at all. That, right. Yeah. That was part of what drew me into Z Health because I'd seen it so many times working with people. I'd seen it so many times working with chiropractors or massage therapists, where the where they encountered it too, where like, huh, the information I'm getting from the person doesn't match what I'm seeing, but the end result is they're better and that's all we care about. Right. Yeah. But you have yeah. a person that says, Well, I was given this strengthening uh, exercise. <laughs> and I just do this for like twelve weeks and then come back and I'm like well, cool. So we do a bunch of weird stuff that doesn't seem to have anything to do with their problem. And then they're pain-free and they're, they're instantly better. And then they'll go, well, do I still need to do that 12-week rehab program? Yeah, right. I don't know. Do you want to? Yeah, uh, right. I mean, is it? <laughs> if you like it, sure. I, mean, I, I think you're touching base on what uh, someone told me is like you're um, – you're, you're actually fixing or helping people in a way that it puts you out of business. And so a lot of people get threatened by the fact that their business has to start to change that model, you know, that you, you may not have that protocol that needs to happen with every diagnosis, which is the other problem about even once you get a, an identity for whatever you have, oh, I have this shoulder, you know, rotor hater cleft, or I have flat feet, or this is the cause of my, because I had scoliosis or whatever. Once you get named something, diagnosed, you basically then become that identity. And then that identity becomes your lifestyle and your conversation piece. And then you go to these people to help them. And then they go, okay, so you just told me what I don't need to do. Because you're going to only do this because that's what you have identified with. And so, you know, I think you're kind of seeing like through your years of working with people, people don't like to be disrupted. The uncomfortable part of being helpful is to realize you're not supposed to create that dependency. You're, 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 You're supposed to like progress through 
you know, yeah. keeping the thing going. If they, if they didn't have those stories, then they'd have to do more, right? Or, or not have to, but they'd have the option, right? There's, there's, they're limiting stories sometimes that I guess, like you said, my people connect to and, um, and identify with, and that's, can be disruptive to survival, I guess, to some extent when they've been hanging on to it for so long, right? Yeah. Who am I if I don't have this diagnosis or yeah. this issue? Well, that's one of the things I try and explain because, you know, people see cool stuff and it doesn't matter if you're talking about this someone, um, you know, they're doing whatever there is. It doesn't matter. They could be doing, you know, um, traditional Chinese medicine or Pilates or yoga or massage therapy or Z health or whatever. Everyone in any kind of healing profession has seen some pretty remarkable change mm -hmm. stuff where it's like, wow, that's like magic. It's like an instantaneous whatever. Yeah. And one yeah. of the things I tell people is you have to be certain in that the positive aspect of explaining to people how things work and how fast change can occur at a neurological or at a brain state level is you have to make sure to inform them that you're not dismissing the seriousness or the magnitude of their agony. Mm -hmm. It's important to explain to people that, hey, look, just because we did this drill and suddenly you're out of pain or just because I have an interesting, simplistic explanation for why this works, it does not in any way dismiss the enormity of their situation. Right. I worked with a woman who just taking her through the basic R-phase warm-up stuff. We didn't get to actually fixing her problem, and she had been having migraines for 22 years, oh. and she had been uh, seeing practitioners weekly for over 20 years mm. and just teaching her the basic stuff to do for her own practice because she wanted to see it. She's hoping to use it in her own, in her own practice with uh, working with people. She was in her fifties and she worked with a lot of uh, older citizens. And what she was trying to do is have a more complete way to work with people and warm them up and kind of get started. She had seen some of the Z culturals and wanted to learn that. I didn't even know she had a problem with migraines. She didn't even tell me. Right. She's, she was coming to me as a fitness person who had an interesting collection of populations, and she, like me, was also a kettlebell lifter, so she was already really fit, but she just kind of resolved herself to not ever being able to fix that problem. Yeah. And we done some really simple pelvic work and then some neck stuff, and all of a sudden, her headaches went away, and she called me up. She goes, okay, so since wow. we met, um, my headaches went away. I'm like, well, that's cool. She's like, no, you don't understand. And then she told me her story, and I'm like, well, how long has it been gone? The pain been gone? She goes, like, 11 days. I'm like, well, cool. Is that is that good? She goes, I haven't had more than a reprieve of pain for, like, say, 36 hours in over 20 years. Yeah. Like, well, wow. that's awesome. That's so cool. But one of the things about it was is, is she was she was so taken aback by the change. And at that moment, I really learned that it was important because because part of the education about dealing with people in pain and injury or overcoming whatever problem they have, or chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia mm -hmm. or issues with metabolism, hypothyroid problems, is that telling people that they may just have not encountered a method or solution to their problem and their problem might be simplistic exactly. in no way decreases uh, the enormity of the anguish they've been experiencing. You have to make sure to go, hey, I completely believe you that this is awful yeah. and it's bothering you forever and the pain that you're experiencing is completely genuine. However, sometimes there are easier or quick fixes and if that's the case, you have to understand I'm not dismissing your experience. Yeah. That's right. a really great point. I, yeah, that's, I that's an honoring of you know your beingness. Like you really – you. 
you've had to suffer and we've all had to suffer and we yeah. all have a opportunity to have compassion and empathy because it is real. And I think one of the, well, one of the things uh, you learn is that a lot of times, um, like working with people, I just happen to get a lot of the people that have already been to 20 practitioners or had a million problems. And because I, I don't advertise because whenever, and I, you know, some people do and that's cool. But for me, whenever I saw like a lawyer on TV or a doctor on TV or I see a prescription on TV, it gave me this creepy kind of feeling. Mm. I grew up hanging out with my grandmother watching like Little House in the Prairie and I thought like the country doctor idea was cool. Yeah. So for me, um, although it's pretty much, you know, business suicide, I've never ever done any advertising, not once in 30 years. So everything I do is word of mouth. So because mm. of that, I always get these people that have been through, well, I went to a shaman and then I went to, <laughs> I and then I saw this witch and then I saw this kid, you know, that had like this can opener and I've been to all these people. <laughs> I couldn't get help. So I get all these really peculiar, interesting, long-standing situations. And one of the things I explain to people in my initial intake is the idea that I don't want you to think of yourself as, as a pain case. I want you to understand the word disease as a dis-ease, not necessarily pathology. Mm -hmm. I want you to understand that the systems that are getting your attention it's best to think of saying that you're not this chronically ill person. You're just having an overly strong survival response. That yes. in, nature, yeah. in nature, the act of survival, living in the enriched environment of toiling for every scrap of uh, food, shelter, and companionship would provide so much sensory information that you'd be much better at overcoming some of these issues. But in the modern world where you're sort of bereft of the kind of sensory data input that you'd have, you're just kind of at odds with your brain's natural ways of getting your attention and providing uh, protective stimulus for you. So if you think of it, really what you're having is an overly strong uh, survival response. You're, you don't have a, a chronic disease problem. Right. Which Change. is why the nervous system is so important um, yeah. to address. Um, we're running close to an hour and I wanted to kind of, uh, get a couple things in before and I don't know Allison if you had some questions that you wanted to talk about um well, I don't know if we want to talk about um Zachariah your uh your nutrition perspective and how you tie that in into is yeah I was going to ask you like um a little bit about <clears throat> well we kind of can can conclude that the reasons why you search out for um explanation and and search for um answers through your own self study Ray Pete is one of those uh, people that we have, in, in an, I think, in agreement can say had, has um, <clears throat> changed nutrition back to where it used to be in a helpful way of um, getting people um, away from the hyperthyroid symptoms and having their, um, their blood sugars uh, uh, fluctuate and having them put themselves in um, nutritional deficits. Um, and, and maybe you can talk a little bit about your reasons for why you, um, have been helping people with Ray, Ray Pete's work. Well, there's, there's a lot of people that I study and follow, and I'm always looking for new information. And I ran into Ray Pete's works uh, years and years ago, and then started taking it more seriously, probably nine or 10 years ago and started getting good at it about seven years ago. And one of the important things about Ray was the idea of, um, of autonomy and individuality. Mm -hmm. So I've worked with people and they said, well, I tried Ray Pete stuff and it didn't work. And I'm like, yeah. 
Um, well, then you, you don't understand what Ray's saying because Ray's telling you to find the diet that works for you. Mm-hmm. So if you took a bunch of information and you found stuff that makes you better, well, then you're doing exactly what he told you. A lot of people misinterpret the information, things that are elevator speeches about, you know, in 30 seconds, give me some ideas for nutritious food. In 30 seconds, tell me, uh, you know, how do I get more zinc? And he's listing off these things that are designed to not only be very nutritious, but easy to acquire and generally less expensive. So I think a lot of people miss that part. And it was the individuality that Ray promoted um, initially that kind of got me into a lot of his ideas because he would he would do certain things. And, and you can tell his background with uh, philosophy and literature and understand the, the idea of what a lot of philosophers do is, is say one thing and then say another and expect you to be able to come to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, in, in one of our interactions, he mentioned saying like, well, starting off, maybe 80 grams of protein is, is good, um, was good because you might not need a whole lot of protein. And if you're very sedentary and I'm very sedentary and I need about 150 grams of protein or I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. Well, in the span of two sentences, he basically said, <laughs> "Contradicted, there is a low amount of protein and that should be good if you're sedentary. And by the way, I'm a sedentary and need twice as much. Right there, he's giving you a clue about right. the individuality of the circumstance. Yeah. And a lot of people look at Ray's work and they go, well, you know, he's not very clear on it. I'm like, yeah, there's over a thousand pages <laughs> of free stuff on his website and reading two to three hours a day. It took me 16 months to go through all of it. Yeah. Mm. And when I initially wrote Ray, because I, you know, because I had some, I was curious about some of the things he was writing about. I sent him an email, and I said, "Hey, I was wondering what it would take to work with you. Um, you know, I have some questions. I have some things I'd like to talk to you about." And his email response to me was, "Like what?" <laughs> He's quite direct. Yeah. He does not waste time. I swear, he is very good. And the funny thing is I actually – it actually made me go, well, he responded in such a curt way and it made me think like, yeah, like what? Like what am I really asking and, <laughs> and can I figure out some of this and should I really – I'm really going to spend my – so anyway, in response to that email, I didn't write him back for two years. Wow. I kept studying stuff until I finally said that I wrote him back and I said, okay, I think I have genuine questions now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And that is so, how it works. I mean, that's how I've processed it too. It just takes time to process it because it's not like the normal information you get about nutrition, which like you said, elevator pitch kind of information. Like it's, it's not, it's, it's very individualized. So, and it well, depends but, on, um, go ahead. Yeah. When, when talking to people about this stuff and, and again, because, you know, a lot of the times when I'm teaching stuff in classes, Dr. Cobb is around and he always says, he goes, yeah, you're, he goes, you use a lot of big words and you're a really smart guy and it's great that you're saying all this stuff and, you know, people are impressed by it. He goes, but really you got to remember that when you're talking to people, sometimes it helps to just, you know, come up with little pithy sayings so they can remember the saying to help them remember the information. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I say to people in classes and I try and get, get people to write down is the idea is the diet you start with is not the diet you end with. Mm-hmm. You might be one of those people that needs a very large amount of protein to be very high functioning and you may only need a two to one ratio of carbs to protein and that's what you need to thrive. But initially a high amount of protein can decrease thyroid function. So there may be some steps to go through. So the right. diet you start with six months from now may be completely different than where you end up. 
And people are looking for this idea because they've been sold this concept of this prepackaged, hey, just do this and you'll mm -hmm. be fine. Yeah. My whole idea was, well, let's get you fine, but eventually I want you to be great. My whole idea yeah. with the Neander thing and why it worked with ZL and even with Ray Pete was the idea that everything that I've been involved in is about sick care. It's about ADL, activities of daily living. If you can get grandma to get a can of soup off of her shelf, no one cares that she can't put her arm straight overhead. Mm -hmm. If grandma can tie her shoes, no one cares if she can actually do a squat. That's right. Or whatever. So with Dr. Cobb, he wasn't he's like an actual athlete. And he got into this stuff because he wanted to learn more about athletics. Mm -hmm. And he originally wanted to be an MD. And then he goes, Well, no, I'd like to be an osteopath because then I get to have a lot of the joint function, the hands-on stuff, uh, that kind of education with how the body works. And then osteopathy in the USA kind of went away from that and didn't do as much hands-on. So then he goes, well, fine, I'm just going to be a chiropractor because I still want that, that understanding of motion and biomechanics at that level. But because he was an athlete and, and he was involved in martial arts heavily like I was, and we both had this romanticized idea that we were taught early on that in martial arts, in a lot of systems, you spend all this time learning how to fight and earn your black belt and be a martial artist, but at some point, you had to change over to learn how to help people, to learn how to heal. And there are a lot of systems where you spend the first major part of your training learning the physical combat part so you can defend yourself, your loved ones, your ideals, whatever, and then you spend the whole second half of your martial arts education learning how to heal people. So for him, his whole idea, it was just a continued journey of martial arts to start out as this kid doing martial arts and, and being an athlete and then working towards the healing thing towards the end. And what made that different is that Z-Health isn't about ADL. So the thing I try and tell people is if you build, like what you said previously, if you build your model around the stick care and all you do is get people out of pain and you do that super quickly, then that sucks for return business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. never wanted to have that kind of business anyway. I wanted to get people to go is, yeah, I want you to come see me forever, but I want you to come see me forever to do cool stuff. Yeah, to have fun and, and play and, and explore. And, yeah. yeah. And that was the point of meander was that people, when I taught martial arts, people were totally fine if I said, well, hey, it's going to take you five years to become a black belt. They were cool with that. When I taught music and, they, and I said, well, it's going to take you five years of practice to be able to play like this musician you'd like to imitate. They were fine with that. Yeah. But when it came to health or fitness or their potential for strength or flexibility or movement, they wanted to be great in 30 days or they wanted to change a habit in 21 days. They wanted to transform themselves in 90 days. So the pithy thing I would always tell them is you might have to get in shape to get in shape. Yes. <laughs> I have yeah. iterations to see where you are. Because so many people in the fitness industry were athletes already. They had eight or ten years of skilled movement. So then when they picked up the dumbbell and started doing bodybuilding stuff, when they started doing fitness stuff, it was so easy for them. Yeah. They had a session with a trainer where I, told, I asked him if he'd ever worked on the splits, and he hadn't. I said, cool. So I put him in a front split. You know, got him between two chairs, put him in the situation, and he's an athletic guy, and he was like really un uncomfortable. He was very tentative about how he felt. I go, cool. Now let's throw this fifty-pound weight vest on you. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Doing a split? Oh no! That would be painful. And he's like, yeah. And I said, you know, no pain. I go, you're going to hold yourself up with the chairs. You're going to be in a safe circumstance. But I put her in this significant load for a couple of minutes. Then we took the vest off and came back to the split, and he goes. Yeah. Well, there. That's not so bad. I said, now, now think about this for a second. 
you're an athletic guy and you were just in a split and you were scared. You were really concerned about this body position. But then we put a weight vest on you and kind of tricked your brain and now you're pretty okay with it. There are people you're going to meet where a push-up or a deep knee bend is that terrifying. Yeah. Yes. The communicative part that we're missing person education. And you may have to get them where stuff that athletes take for granted. And that's why they can't be great movers because they have so many steps to go through to where they have this comfortable awareness. And really it's not that they can't be great movers. It's that whoever was trying to teach them either didn't have the awareness or was just a jackass and tried to torture them into fitness because that's what they did. Yeah. And they didn't have a way to recognize or to get that person from I can't do anything to I want to be a great mover. So I made this smart-ass remark to someone in a forum years ago, and the punchline I said after, hey, you may need to just take it easier and have a longer timeline was the final thing I said to him was meander towards greatness. So someone had contacted me years ago on Facebook and they were asking me about stuff and I described a long, slow progression to accomplish something they thought was difficult and they said, oh, you should meander towards greatness. And I went, hey, that's funny. Where'd you get that? And he's like, you said it to someone on a forum years ago. Mm-hmm. So when I started organizing the idea of a system of health, of getting out of pain and illness, of which movement and exercise and visual skills and vestibular inner ear training and nutrition and all of that was part of the progress from I can't do stuff to I want to be able to come out of the other end of this doing things I never thought I could do. I decided to name it Meander Towards Greatness simply because that was said back to me because it had made an impact. And it's also a little bit, it's a little bit, you know, I'm being kind of snarky with people because everybody is like so hardcore. So it fits my personality that I want to just like help people but also annoy people that take themselves too seriously. I love that though. I love that because you know it's that is a part of the process is not taking yourself so seriously. You have to let go of that a little bit, right? And so you can play and and explore. One of the things about my um, you know my online group is that well, two things. Number one, it's private and invisible, so nobody can show up and just harass people because <laughs> so many people truly need a safe space yeah, yeah. to be able to like figure out where they are. Um. But part of it is that people in the group are really surprised because they're so used to being in fitness groups or nutrition groups or whatever, and people are posting like their videos of them doing something you know crazy, or they're posting you know pictures of their you know gluten-free gluten meal or you know some whatever their like torturous non-food nonsense. In my group, you have people going, "Oh my God, I screwed up so horribly," and they're posting pictures of like tacos and beer or cupcakes or <laughs> people post all of their calamities in food and and fitness as much as they post their successes and everyone in my group cheers yeah. people love when people post the awful terrible things they're totally not they totally don't want to do and they praise it and eventually people learn that just the fact that you're paying attention counts that's part of the process mm. and blaming yourself I mean, it's not working. I tell people this stuff all the time because you have people that are like, they get negative and then people say, well, don't be negative. I'm like, well, be whatever. But here's mm-hmm. the deal. You're super negative um, and you suck at it because it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not saying you can't be negative. I'm just saying if you've been doing that forever and it's not helping you, you might need a different strategy. 
there is a thing in psychology called positive pessimism. And for those people, having that negative mindset is actually a form of safety, and it does work for them. Mm-hmm. Like with nutrition or exercise, I'm not going to be the person telling you that you have to be a shiny, happy person because maybe being that mm, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, maybe that does work for you. Yeah. And it makes sense in a social tribal kind of way that if everyone in the group thinks or believes the same way, that's a good way to get eaten or killed by a predator. <laughs> good so point. Yeah. The diversity of opinion matters. So I try and foster that. Another thing about the group, because you had mentioned something about it, that you know there are several people that are trying to help. When people come into the group, and especially other trainers, I always tell people that in my group, when someone asks a question, I always try and let other people or other trainers answer the questions first because I'm trying to stay away from the guru thing. When yeah. someone wants to post a recipe or an exercise, I always ask other people to do it first because it's very easy to get caught up in the, here's this one person that has the answer. Yeah. And learning from group exercise and learning from teaching martial arts, when you have people that aren't done with their journey for pain relief or fitness or health, if that person can help out someone else and they give information that they learned in their process, and they actually help someone, that's super empowering to them. So I try and foster this attitude of everyone has the autonomy and the authority to comment and answer other people's questions, and everyone has the safety that you can be wrong, and all we're going to do is make fun of you because we're probably going to make fun of you even because you're right, because that's how the group is. We try <laughs> yeah, you, to- def- you definitely said the right word. There's snarkiness in this uh, group, you know, dry yeah. humor, and you have to be fast on the ball if you want to answer a question quickly because there's some guys out there that are constantly on the forum answering and giving their best. But it, it is a fun group to be around, especially a lot of GIF, uh, a little uh, – memes and a little bit of uh, funny little jokes and stuff that come up. So it's a great group. Well, there's so many things in other groups that I see because I am I am in other groups and I lurk in some groups and I actually have a couple of different Facebook accounts so I can be in groups and hang out and people don't know that it's me. Oh. I've already found that if I'm in a group, suddenly people start behaving differently and I'm like, don't do that. I want to like know what's really going on. Ah. They're so like serious and like everything is about blaming and I've seen I've seen a group where someone posted a video crying because they had a cupcake at their kid's birthday. And I'm like, that's insane. Yeah. Mm. You know, I mean, you ate the worst food possible. Post pictures, man. We'll just revel in it. Yeah. Yeah. Do better next time because, you know, life isn't about that. No. Yeah. You know, I've known so many people that have died. I have been in situations where I was seconds from death myself. And the last thing I want to do is, yeah, my last message on Facebook was how I, I felt awful because I had a chicken wing or I ate some Smarties out of my kid's Halloween candy. What the <laughs> hell is wrong with people? Yeah, yeah. it's true. I, I have a one quick uh, quick ad is, um, you know, uh, a lot of people will have so many regrets of, you know, I, I'm supposed to be this uh, willpower of person. I'm supposed to create these um, moments of I can control my mind and keep myself from sabotaging myself. And all that can work to a point, but the stress and the shame and all that, you're going to do something to screw it up. So go ahead and screw it up. Be okay with the screw up because the screw up is part of the learning, part of the process and part of who you are. Like it's, it's such a hard concept for people to understand 
um, that it's okay. You want to screw up. Please fail. Please fail. Yeah. Can I comment a couple of things about that? Only if you agree. Oh, I do. Because <laughs> <laughs> first and foremost, as a person who spent an enormous amount of time um, practicing music and practicing martial arts, um, I can tell people to flat out, I think the concepts as they're used in in any kind of education, training, um, recovery, the concepts of uh, discipline and willpower are just garbage. Yeah. Everyone has plenty of willpower and discipline. And and in the classroom, here's some of the jokes I make. I said, when was the last time that you got ready for work and then you got to work and you went, I forgot to wear pants again. <laughs> I showed up to work and I'm totally naked. When was the last time that you went to the bathroom and went, you know what? I forgot to use toilet paper. Mm-hmm. Never. No. People have a list of stuff they do endlessly without fail. It's not about discipline or willpower. They have discipline or willpower. I tell people that every step along the way is just data. And I want you to do what you do, and you're going to fail wonderfully. And every one of those is just a data point to look at to figure out what your next step is. And one of the analogies I make is in weightlifting, in Olympic-style weightlifting, you have to miss. You have to fail. If you, if you don't, you're never going to get as good as you can. When I was a teenager and I was practicing stuff, and I was being very tentative about my performance. And one of the other instructors came up to me and said, he goes, hey, have you heard of Muhammad Ali? And I'm like, yeah, of course I've heard of Muhammad Ali. And he goes, well, he, um, he's really good, right? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, he's, he's probably better than you are. Yes, he's a million times better than I am. <laughs> he said, you know Muhammad Ali got hit, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, no, really. Muhammad Ali gets hit. I'm like, yeah. He goes, you're going to get hit. Don't worry about it so much. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, yeah, you know, if you're going to do this thing, you're, you're going to have to get hit. If you're going to lift, you're going to do misses. If you're going to dance, you're going to stumble. And that's the fastest way. So in my weird journeys of stuttering stuff, I learned a lot about um, theorist versus incrementalist. And the idea of incrementalism of as long as you have a model that you can break and breaking it doesn't destroy it, it's one of the fastest, easiest ways to learn. So the idea is if you just – Go, you act as if, and then every time you encounter something, that gives you data for the next step. I ask people all the time, I'll I'll send them a little thing, I'll send them like a calculus problem or whatever. I go, here, solve this. They're like, I can't do that. I'm like, do you feel bad about it? Well, no. I'm like, cool. Are you a therapist? Well, no. I said, "Um, is your specialty training or nutrition? Are Are you a dietitian? No. Then why are you so hard on yourself about not being able to accomplish this stuff? What gives you the right to think you should be able to bury yourself in self-abuse because you can't figure out how to eat properly or exercise properly when it's not your professional job? Mm-hmm. That's absurd. And a woman that came to me and she was perpetually late for her first six sessions over two weeks and she showed up and she just immediately jumped in this whole litany of, of excuses and problems and I'm like, whoa. I said, so answer a couple of questions for me. I said, so did anything – that prevented you from getting here on time. Did anything that happen was that completely um, just out of the norm and unaccountable and there's nothing you could have done about it? She said, yes. I go, cool. So that stuff's not a problem. She's like, oh, right. I go, so let that go. Okay, cool. Was there anything that happened to you that now, next time, you have some information so that you can be better prepared? She's like, yeah. I go, cool. So now that changes your future plans 
and you have better options to, to prevent that next time. She's like, yeah. I go, cool. So what two things uh, don't fit in those categories? And she's like, well, nothing. I go, cool. So we're done with that and we can get, a, get on with what we're supposed to do. Yeah, that's, that's how it should be. It's just yeah. data. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Freeing yourself, freeing yourself from the so-called idea of being wrong or not perfect, and it's no yeah. such thing. And I'm like, and I'm. It's not like about being like overly wishy-washy or being overly like too happy or whatever. It's just the bottom line of this isn't who you are. It doesn't define who you are. And and when you're doing data collection, that's like how it works. If you're not moving forward at a rate where you make mistakes then you're not moving forward at a rate that can really do anything significant. Mm-hmm. You have to make mistakes or you're not really progressing in a way. And since we're dealing with things like you know, movement and health and diet and all this weird stuff, generally you're not going to do anything that is going to be catastrophic to your long-term success. And that's the whole plan is recognizing that here's what I want you to do. And I'm, more, I'm much more interested in your catastrophic failures you know, I had a woman call me recently from the freeway about how she was like freaking out because she was starving to death. She was 90 minutes from home and it'd be another 90 minutes to um, mm-hmm. to be able to get to dinner. And she was already hungry and she's on the freeway in a traffic jam. I'm like, well, what do you want to do? She's like, damn it, I'm, I'm hungry. I go, what do you want to eat? And she's like, well, I don't have anything healthy with me. I, go, I don't want to hear a life story. What <laughs> do you want to eat? Yeah. <laughs> and she goes, I want a Twix bar. I go, well, then go eat a Twix bar. Yeah. She goes, but I'm doing really good on my diet. I go, do you really think that you're so fragile that you're going to go have a candy bar and that's going to cause a tremendous error? I go, so concerned, figure out how many calories are in Twix bar and eat that many calories less of broccoli when you sit down to dinner. Right. You're caring about the wrong stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. I go, if you think anyone out there in this world where having a candy bar is going to break your success, you've been sorely misled about how human physiology works. I met a yeah. dude in his 90s whose primary source of nutrition was bacon. Yeah. But if I looked at That's this guy's bad. diet, it would have been... <laughs> I'd take bacon. Allison likes her bacon. Yeah. I met so many people that were supposedly healthy and looking at their diet, I'm like, I don't even know how you're still here. <laughs> Yeah. Like in terms of nutrition, you're yeah. like right up there with like air ferns. Right, like right. But that's the whole thing is human beings are incredibly resilient. That's true. But we get convinced that we're not sometimes by marketers, but also we're just not given the opportunity to go, hey, you know what? Sometimes stuff is going to happen. And that's part of having a healthy immune system. That's part of being alive. Right. Yeah. I tell people all the time that having pain doesn't mean that you're bad because if you've ever met a person, and I have, they can't feel pain. Yeah, you would train places with them. It is a terrible existence to not experience pain because every little thing you don't realize how many things in life that you can bump into and cut yourself with, and just they just find themselves like you know they look down at their feet and suddenly they're covered in blood and they don't know what happened. Wow. People that can't feel pain don't generally live long lives. So yeah. pain like hunger, all of these things are just tools to provide us information so we can have a safe existence. They're not things that, that are punishments. Right. So what we try and do is organize data in a way that allows people to move forward and live their lives and go, hey, this is just stuff and all of it can make me better. Yeah. I mean, pain is actually your friend in some ways. It, it's, it's a signaling from your body that's saying, hey, I need something here. It's not to 
bastardize it or put it into this uh, how dare you get in, you know create this limitation for me but it's a an, a it's a helpful tool to say you got extra information the information is needed and you aren't paying attention and now you've got to pay attention yeah, yeah. And- I, I can relate to that because I've had like you know back issues in the past from being a gymnast and and been been on the you know had uh, back spasms been on the and not been able to move and be like oh my god I'm a fitness professional and I can't move right now I can't walk you know it's terrifying but um but you know in the first time that happened I was just it, it was I was so scared but then you realize that okay this is just uh you know this is an indication uh, that I'm out of alignment that something is deeper that's going on um in a combination of things for me personally but um once I got out of that scary mode of or survival mode part of it, then I was like, oh, okay, this is something I can work with. I have the tools. I know what to do. I can, you know, um, overcome, kind of overcome that in a way and be confident that I'm going to be all right, you know? So, yeah, I mean, if the yeah. pain is an indication that you're not brain dead, it's an indication yeah. that you're alive. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're interacting with your environment and you're aware of it. It's a yeah. fantastic tool to not die. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah. 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 So, well, thank you. So, yeah. So, yeah. Thank you, Zachariah. This has been a, a wonderful conversation as I knew it would be. You really do embody that uh, full integration that we really um, harness a lot in our our name and uh, all of our podcast, but also in, in life and how we've all tried to take information and, and see how it works for us. And um, really appreciate um, all the things you've done, um, and the group is an amazing group. People can reach you at your email, Zachariah, uh, Zalzavar, um, gmail.com. Is that correct? Yeah. Zachariah Salazar at gmail.com. But also what I did, because as I mentioned before, the meander to our greatest page is, is both hidden, is hidden and visible at secret so that we don't have any people like showing up and like, you know, picking on people. So because of this podcast, I just put together, I opened another Facebook group that will be uh, visible to everyone just because of this podcast. And it's called Meander 101. And several of the people, both trainers and just, you know, clients, not, you know, not professionals in any way, have volunteered to show up in the group just so that people have questions about Meander or what goes on. They can show up there and, um, ask questions. So that's called meander 101. So if people don't want to talk to me directly or they're nervous about it, or they just want to show up and talk to some people that participate. Um, I kind of made that. So as an entryway, so people can just, you know, see what's going on. Awesome. Well, that's a perfect okay. idea. Thank you for establishing that. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, people will take advantage of a wealth of information from a lot of different people. We appreciate yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you. I, I hope you do. Yeah, that was really, really wonderful. And um, yeah, thanks for sharing all that awesome information. Maybe we can convince you to come back at some point. Oh, I'll come back whenever you want, just as long as I'm not wasting your time. Oh, no, not at (laughs) all. (laughs) I realize this this is the uh, the first podcast I've ever done and I've been asked about 50 times. Oh, you have? Oh, wow. Really? Well, we're honored. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. you know, I, I like the message you guys have, and I'm already familiar with what you do. And it's not that a lot of other people I wasn't. I just, 
wasn't sure about, you know, what I want to talk about where it would be like, you know, meritorious to the conversation because, you know, I can ramble on about nonsense forever. Yeah. But well, that's idea, what we like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like reach the right kind of people. If, if we don't talk to people who have gone through their own crap, then we don't really find that that authentic part of them comes out and helps people. So yeah. we really love the fact that you express like, you know, making sure people fail and make sure people don't aren't so hard on themselves because I think that's where we have lost that raw, real integrated conversation where, you know, Hey, I fell and this happened and, and then I did this and Hey, look at that. That was great. Yeah. I had a, I had a person recently ask me cause I was going over some stuff and they uh, really had no idea what I did. And they met me through like word of mouth. And over the course of the conversation, we talked about everything from, uh, you know, vision stuff to uh, better handwriting skills for their child and drills for dyslexia. And then, you know, what's the best thing for their cat to eat? And they're like, how did you learn all this stuff? I said, okay, the magic trick is um, be passionate about learning stuff and get everything wrong for years and years and years. And eventually you'll stumble across some stuff that might be right for a while and until you're wrong again. So you just have to really be comfortable being wrong a lot to, I think, learn yeah. anything that actually yeah. helps anyone. Yeah. And I think so. that's that seeker inside you, right? Because yeah. when you think everything, you know everything, then there's a problem. I mean, that whole that whole thing that I was talking about, as far as like the more the more you know, the more you realize you don't, you don't know. know. Oh, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. But I think, think that the rest of the paragraph of that remark is the more you realize you don't know, and the more you realize you need more help from other people that also are coming to the point of their life where they realize they don't know a lot. Yeah. So I've tried to like talk to a lot of people and build relationships with lots of people. So. When people talk to me, I'm like, you don't have to work with me. Right? There's other people I know and there's other people that have different opinions on you know, nutrition or exercise or immunology or whatever. So I always try and tell people, like, you know, here's a lot of interesting people you can talk to so that you can sort of come to your own conclusions. And maybe, maybe your problem is that not that you don't get it, but you need to hear things from a different person right. because where you're at, you need to hear it in a different way. And maybe I'm the one, I'm not the one to do it for you. Maybe someone else is. Yeah. The biggest thing is, hey, don't give up. Right. And the importance of community. Community is important. That is the one of the foundations. You have to have community. Yeah. We're social creatures. And I think people forget that. There's so much of an emphasis on the awesomeness of of individuality, of of movie stars and, and amazing athletes. And that's cool and all. But really, the thing that gets us here is that sense of community from, you know, tribal on up, you know, we're social creatures. And I mean, it's a, it's a proven fact. One of the, one of the few things they're certain of about the physiology of, of aging and wear and tear is that reducing glucocorticoid response matters. And it's interesting to me that both um, human beings are like the only animals that can elicit a stress hormone response, a glucocorticoid response. Mm-hmm. I thought that is equal to a real physical danger. Right. The second part of that, that I thought was interesting oh, in studying wow. is it, teachers and students uh, to you know um, you know a tribal member and a shaman uh, to to whomever a relationship where you have people that are you know uh, venerated in their culture for knowing more or experiencing more or being wiser, and then people that are students, they've done the research, they've tested blood levels, and that student teacher relationship reduces glucocorticoid response for both. And I think a lot of what is missing in modern culture 
is that practice of veneration of people that have been through it before. And there's so much emphasis on being the rock star individual that people forget how to be students and how that can be helpful. I mean, I don't know anyone that is really great at what they do, regardless of their level of performance, that isn't still, sometimes on multiple subjects, practicing being a student. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am. I'm enrolled in classes right now. I have been learning stuff and been in the middle of a book for like 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see that. (laughs) That's the importance of being the student all the time. Coming to the beginning and and just just let go of needing to um, be anything, but just let things, new things, old things, anything come to you. It's, it's important. I knew this was going to be an awesome show and I wanted to talk a little bit more, but I would like to suggest maybe talking about explain pain, that book, uh, that a lot of people have been talking about. I've been on the, um, Facebook, uh, forum and listening to a lot of it, but I have not read the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to hear what you believe is congruent with them or not incongruent with what they're, they're talking about. So if you are willing, our next uh, podcast, maybe we can talk about that show. Sure. That'd be fun. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Zachariah, yeah, thank you're, you. it, you're a blessing. All right. Well, Zachariah, right. it was so great to meet you. And I'm glad we made this connection because we're, we're working on building a community as well. And so um, you're definitely a part of that now. So thanks for, for, uh, well, yeah, opting in. So yeah. It was a fun time, and hopefully, something in that will make somebody interested or happy. All right. Well, yeah. I, I hope so, and- too. Be sure to head on over to pureenergypdx.com if you want to watch this podcast, if you want to comment, get involved in the conversation, share with your friends. Head on over to pureenergypdx.com and click on the podcast tab, and that'll take you right over to this podcast, episode 37. As well, you can download your free copy of Six Steps to Better Digestion. This will help you get on the road to digestive motility, which, as we know, improves hormonal balance and the function of your metabolism. Speaking of digestive motility, mushrooms, which we've talked about in the past, really help and aid digestive motility, much like the carrot does for your digestive system. Mushrooms can do the same. So we advocate mushrooms, and we are affiliated with a new company, Four Sigmatic, which I've been looking at for a long time, checking them out, making sure they're high quality, a very high quality product, because I'm always looking to get um, and a way to get mushrooms that have been actually cooked and processed properly. And this is a great company I've discovered, and they actually mix it in with coffee, the mushroom mixes, um, and they have different types of mushrooms that you can you can pick from for different uh, cert- for certain things that you're looking for but the one that really really spoke to me was the cacao the hot cocoa mix it has mushrooms in it but it also has uh, cacao which is great for magnesium and it has some sugar in it which we advocate as well for energy production and it's just a great mix of everything that you need for digestive motility and in my opinion a great digestive aid so I'm gonna give you guys our code which is integrate yourself all you have to do is head on over to the affiliate link that I'm gonna leave here and on my website and you guys can check it out uh, put in integrate yourself uh, go ahead and enter that code so you can receive 10% off your order at four sigmatic Thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye.